Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? Comics Podcast for the Savage Critics website. It's the first of, um, several installments for episode 48, and in it, Graham McMillan and I spend 70 minutes discussing Fear Itself number 4 and Flashpoint number 3. Of course, there's a few more topics in there, too. The Marvel Architects, the always impressive statements of Tom Brevoort, and our luck with roommates, but by and large, Fear Itself number 4 and Flashpoint number 3. Don't worry, future installments have us talking about other comic books, but for right now, buckle up for a crossover event, Takapalooza. We hope you enjoy, and as always, thanks for listening. If it isn't Weeping Lester himself. <laughs> That's I can't, I can't make that make no sense to the <laughs> listeners, and I think it's almost better if we just don't explain it. <laughs> I think so. I think so. I think there's some cases where we need to preserve a sense of mystery, and where it comes to me weeping is concerned, uh, definitely. So, so hello, sir. Hey, how's it been? It's it feels like it's been a really long time, and it's been two weeks, and I even saw you last week. I know, isn't that crazy? It's just absurd to me, like how, um, yeah, like that makes no sense. Yeah, it's, it, time is bending or something. I have no idea what happens. <laughs> Well, I'm sort of worried that there's this weird sense that it's like, even though we saw each other last week for longer than we normally podcast, like, it's somehow like... It's, it somehow doesn't count. Yeah, isn't that weird? <laughs> it's really distressing to think about. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of worried that in the future, we're only going to be able to communicate via Skype, like, even when we're in the same room. And... I, I think that'll work out. <laughs> You're like, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I, I'm done with that. It's it's kind of awkward actually looking at you while I talk. So sure, let, let's, <laughs> let's just go in the same room, facing our computers and not able to look at each other. That Perfect. that makes much that makes me very comfortable. It makes much <laughs> sense. Does it? Okay, that's perfect. I'm I'm a little appalled that we're becoming the exact opposite of those twins who like you know, put their heads together and speak in their own private language, but... Uh, oh, God, can you imagine? There, There is, um, our, our next-door neighbors have uh, a copy of New York Times magazine, Sunday magazine, uh-huh. from, at this point, months ago. This got a picture uh, on the cover of two conjoined twins who are connected at the head. That's right. Um, and the reason they still have it is because the photograph freaks all of them out. And they're keeping it around in this weirdly masochistic way to, to like, freak each other out. It's really hilarious. None of them can stand to look at it. They always turn it face down. And someone else will turn it back up just to freak someone else out of the house. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> that is kind of amazing. This is, And this is not just a, an entire household of 12-year-olds. There's no, actually no. adults in like, this mix. This is, like, five adults. Oh my god. Oh, I know exactly the house you're talking about then. That is hilarious. Oh my god, that is too funny. Um, it's kind of spectacular, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> and, and also horrific. It's it's very weird. Yeah, yeah. I think there is that thing where, um, I, you know, I, I, I lived with roommates for many years, but thinking on it, you know, it's like there's definitely the stage where that sort of jovial dysfunction kind of seeps in and uh i can't i can't say that i miss that you know 
<laughs> yeah, I, the the few times I lived with roommates, I actually only lived with roommates for about two years. Really? Um, yeah. Wow. Uh, I I'd, I was very lucky in my my living situations. Like there were situations where I was supposed to live with roommates, but one of them moved out, and the landlord was like, "Well, no one expected us to do that, so I won't charge you full rent." And like I managed to stay there for like a year. Wow. Uh, like like things like that happened. Um, anyway, so there's only like two years of my life where I actually lived with roommates. Not what am I saying? I'm completely, I'm completely forgetting like an additional three years okay. uh, where I lived with other people. Um, <laughs> Boy, and, they the, think you're the in house, now. Yeah, exactly, the house I was thinking of uh, was a completely dysfunctional relationship, almost from the word go. Yeah, where we do, it ended up that even though there's three of us living in the same house, we never saw each other in the same house ever wow. we're, all, we're all college together uh-huh. we see each other like in school but in the same house that we all lived in we would never manage to see each other and it's not like i was hiding from them do you know what i mean like i was always there and in the communal areas they weren't wow what what was happening there graham that's that that actually sounds like the freaky stoner low budget comedy version of House of Leaves or something. Well, well, one of them was freaky stoner, like kind of crazy guy, uh, and the other one was just kind of never there. Right? Was it? Was he the classic like? had a girlfriend or boyfriend and therefore was always gone or no no i'm not quite sure where he was he definitely didn't have a girlfriend or boyfriend to my knowledge (laughs) he was he was he was really like he definitely he was never there during the weekend at all Mm -hmm. um he did he spent a lot of time at school uh during the week and god knows where he was in the evenings see don't you want to know now? I kind of want to know. How long can you find out? Can you like just find this guy on Facebook and be like, "Hey, his his family was in the area, so he might have just like gone home to his family." <laughs> for all I know, yeah, uh, that's it. But but like the the other guy, no, the other guy was was just was literally not there in almost every sense. Wow, do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. He'd, he'd, you'd know he was home because he'd be in his room listening to music really loud. Mm-hmm. And then you'd hear the, the front door close and he'd be gone. Wow. Uh, and he'd, he'd, he'd be out until like three or four o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then he'd come back. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird, weird situation. And then would he put his music on loud again? No, no, th- thankfully not. Oh, thank God. I was about to say, I, I'm like, weird though he may be, he was a step up from most of the roommates I had in college, so. Um. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, roommates, roommates were weird. It's, I can't actually believe I forgot, like, the other three years that I lived with That's people. kind of impressive. I'm, I'm I, I, I mean, literally, <laughs> completely out of my brain. <laughs> and all of them were really good friends. Not like, it, it was a terrible experience. That well, maybe that's it. Maybe, you know what I mean? It might like, have been that there was no yeah. bad experience. And so I was like, yeah, that happened. Right. Well, or also if you define them as friends, after a while you kind of forget that you live together, sort of. You know I guess, I mean? yeah. Yeah, there definitely is a case of that. Yeah, so. Ah, uh, boy. Well, it would be great to be doing an entire all-nostalgia podcast and have people be like, uh, 
What are you getting to the comics? Yeah, exactly. What, what are you talking about? I, don't, I can't even... You guys are talking about brands of hummus you prefer. This is driving <laughs> me insane. Let's just talk about cleanse. That low is It's true. The cleanse. Uh, yes, but no. Um, we, so, we've, both, we've both read comics, which we, is great, because honestly, like I was emailing yesterday, up until yesterday afternoon, I hadn't actually bought any new comics in about three weeks. Right. Um, and I was kind of freaking out about doing this podcast because I was like, I've not read anything new. <laughs> oh God! Well, it would have, in a way, it would have been kind of a nice reversal a little bit because I had been at the store just on Thursday, so I mean, I didn't have a huge, vast expanse of books, but I did have a handful of stuff that I could talk about, you know, more or less in real time. So it was like, I, I, I've got a question for you, actually, because I know you read Fear Itself 4. Yes. And I, I really want to know what you think, because I read Fear Itself 4 and had, had a couple of like big thing, big reactions to it. Oh, interesting. But I, I want to get yours first. Okay. Well, interestingly enough, and I don't know if this was, this was the first issue of Fear Itself that I did not outright hate. Like I didn't. I seriously. I'm. Wow. Yeah, I know. This was like I was so excited to be able to talk to you about this and kind of write it up and be like, "Hey, it's not just that I, you know, hate this series openly and blindly with a passion." That being said, um, I mean, at least there, I, I kind of felt like there were finally some sequences that paid off a little bit. Um, but you know, it's funny having said all that, I was looking through it this morning and there was a bunch of shit that was really, really super rushed. Like I, I can understand why you have, um, you know, when you have a big event crossover, you've got the, the idea that you're going to have stuff covered in spinoffs that pretty much seems to be the nature of the event. But one of the things that I was really shocked by, especially in this issue is every character of the of the the big the big three Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor all have big emotional beats in this issue, and I think Thor is the only one that gets anywhere close to actually having that emotional beat be shown on the page. Everyone else gets it gets it cut out of them and. Well, this this kind of ties in with something I like. One of my reactions, which is, I, I this sounds like an for me a terrible insult, and it's not meant as one. Right. But this issue for me made me realize that Mark Fraction has become Mark Miller, mm. in that he thinks about these big ideas, mm-hmm. and then his execution is so incredibly flawed. Mm. Mm. Interesting that in theory, if you describe Fear Itself issue four, it's a great comic. Right. And then when you read it, you're like, none of that landed. Right. Actually, I'll tell you the one thing that I did that I that I kind of thought landed uh, in a way, um, and, and the thing, and it's probably why I'm like, okay, I don't hate this book, uh, even though I should, is the the two page sequence with um, 
the serpent and Odin, and they're both sort of doing their preparations for war, I guess. The the part where we finally get some exposition for issues into the series. Yes, fucking A, man. If this had popped up at, like, the end of issue one or or the first three pages of issue two, I would have been happier. But yeah. And the funniest part is it still doesn't really explain anything. No, it doesn't. I it's mean, exposition that hints at something, which is great, because at this point we haven't even had a hint. Yes. But it doesn't actually explain anything. No, no. It You're doesn't. still leading an incredible way into it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's – and it's – there are things that are just I, – I, I don't – I don't know. I, I'm, you know, it's funny. Every time I open it up, I, I like get struck by a new thing that I'm like, yeah, and you're like, oh, the, the, oh, yeah. This is exactly because the last page of this is exactly where, in, in fact, it's pretty much the last two pages. But the last page in particular is where I realized that Matt Fraction had become Mark Miller. Yes. In what world does Thor say, "Do I look afraid to you"? Yeah, yeah. Or even better, the page before that, that has gotten old. He's a mm-hmm. fucking Asgardian. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's a Norse god. What world does a Norse god say that has gotten old? It doesn't even make sense. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those like, hey, he's been hit with the kids. Right. Um, that, that makes no sense within the character. Yeah. It's like the first page where Thor says, oh, father, you'll be the death of me. That's a really snappy line, but it yeah. makes no sense within the character. Uh, uh, yeah, it it. That worked. And then the second one, I was like, yeah, okay, that didn't work. And yeah, do I look afraid to? You're right. There's a total, like, do you think this A stands for Exactly. And, and it's it's very Mark Miller in its presentation as well. It's the mm-hmm. big full page, last, like, splash page, last page of the comic. Right. The snappy line that doesn't seem within character. The <laughs> promise of, you know, action next issue. It's right. It's completely Mark Miller. Yeah. Um, which which was kind of weirdly fascinating. The thing that really, the plot point that made no sense to me and has really demonstrated why it's a great idea that's just executed horribly, mm-hmm. is Tony Stark sacrificing his sobriety. Yes. Here's the thing: that would be great if at any point, at any point in this series, mm-hmm. Thor had said, "The only way you'll get to speak to Odin is if you sacrifice something." Exactly. Instead. Mm-hmm. Tony Stark just flies that in himself and is like, I'm just going to sacrifice my my sobriety. It's, it reads instead like Tony just wanted a drink and a reason to do it. Right, exactly. I mean, it seems there there is no, like I said, that, that beat, that beat, because the beat is really his deciding that he has to do it. That's not there. The when you see Captain America, when you see Steve Rogers sitting in the Captain America outfit looking at the, at his mask, um, that beat of him trying to, you know, deal with Bucky and stuff, that's gone, you know, that's completely missing. The thing that I thought was amazing was there was a point where the the three of them are dividing up and Captain America, oh, Captain America is talking about sort of planning things out. He goes, Thor, if this thing has a connection to Odin, then maybe you can speak to him on his own level. And if he knows what you know, then he'll be afraid of you. Now, I thought he was talking about Odin. I did too. I mean, it's it's a badly written sentence. I mean, it is literally the grammar is so bungled on it that it. I re- so when I don't know if he did that deliberately so that you're expecting 
Odin, you're expecting, you're not expecting Iron Man to show up looking for Odin, but it was such a botch. I mean, it really did screw up the thing. And there's like just dozens, dozens but, of but little not errors that. and stuff. Yeah. Why does Iron Man go and talk to Odin? Considering Odin has already told Thor, fuck you. Right. Like, it, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. There, there is no reason for it to happen, apart from the fact that Matt wants to have the emotional beats yeah. of Tony sacrificing his sobriety, which, in the context, sorry, still makes no sense. Right. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's it's really interesting. It is, it's one of those things where um, it's been a long time since I've read – well, actually, because I, probably because I stopped reading Bendis um, – such a first draft comic book. You know what I mean? Like this is not this. There's lots of good ideas in here for from a f- the first draft point of view. That if you refined it two or three drafts down the line would be great. But it's just these ideas, and it's like they're bleh, and and there's no setup, there's no execution, there's just there's just a lot of stuff that's bungled. It's, yeah, and it's bungled not just by fraction. Because remember last issue we were talking about yes. what's happening in the action beats? Mm-hmm. The scene in issue four with, I guess, the Atlanteans floating in the water? Yes, I was just that, going to that mention that. actually makes no sense. Yeah. But visually, it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eminent pulls away when he shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. You don't actually understand what's happening. It takes multiple reads and then still guessing what's happening Yeah. yeah. for it to make any sense. Yeah. I I I half think that that sequence was either like I I I I've looked at that and it's so badly done. I half think that the I would have thought that the pages had been reversed if it wasn't for the the caption up in the upper hand corner where Atuma's killing everybody makes no sense unless it's followed by um uh, the serpent saying his yes, yes, more, more kind of thing. But oh, no, it, it still doesn't make that much sense. No, it really doesn't. No, believe me, it makes it that makes no sense. The whole like, pat- also the the kingdom of fear. Right. Part. What's going on there? Because hands are coming out of the ground, and then there's a building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the <laughs> the palace of fear. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, huh? there's like there's creatures. I mean, obviously it's the creatures, but what actually happens there? Why is the world his? Like all of it. Yeah, all of it makes no sense. It, not not one. It's, it's all about spectacle. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't even really work in the spectacle sense of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I mean the thing that's really sad is, like I said, this was the first issue of Fear itself that I did not outright hate. But I did not think that I still didn't think it was any good, though. I was really impressed at how it is still a really big failure, and it's over the halfway point now, too. So yeah, it, it's kind of I. I mean, I think we're at the point, really, especially with the the teasers for the mighty. Mm-hmm. I think we're at the point where a we can guess the ending, and b none of this has been interesting. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's going to go down as a pretty. Seven issue series, right? Which happened? Do you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it just has not had anything resembling the impact that it should have. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's I, the thing that's been terrible is it's all been. In theory, it should all be impact. Like if you look at the list of things uh, of the things that have happened or are happening, it has the potential of having of being like something that's filled with stuff. And yet it's, I mean, 
I'm not really a, a fan of the stuff that's happening, but I just also think, yeah, from a craft level, it's just not even... Imp- it, I don't want to use the word impact as a verb, so it's, I don't know, it's just not effective. Not, it's, no, but there's nothing, nothing has landed. I've, I've said, right. you know, I've used landed before, but nothing has actually hit you in the point, in the part where you're like, I feel that this is important. Right. And you really should. Yeah. Every single issue should have something where you feel it's important. And all of it, you're just kind of like, huh, did that happen? Or Or worse, what happened? Or what happened? Exactly. I mean, that's still the the big thing. Of there were a lot of people with the Bucky page were like, oh, you know. And yeah, no. I mean, I think I feel like he's got like this Excel spreadsheet open of all the stuff that he's got to have happen, and it's just it's overpacked, and the pacing's off, and there's too much stuff, and it's. I'm fascinated by the way in which. Um, in which this is really a failure to super compress, you know, like there's the whole decompressed storytelling, trying to take that sort of super compressed uh, approach. Like seriously, I mean, I wasn't too crazy about the stuff that that Morrison was doing in Final Crisis, but that's starting to seem pretty elegant compared to to what's unfolding here in Fair itself. Oh, yeah, Morrison managed to bring some level of weight. Mm-hmm. Um, even if even it was though, just even incrementally. Though, yeah, and also, even though Final Crisis is ultimately mess, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a much better mess than this is. Right, exactly. Um, which is, it's, it's really surprising. But mm-hmm. just the Mark Millerness of this comic. Right. I mean, on one hand, it disappoints me because Fraction can do better, or at least could do better. Mm-hmm. Um, but also... I don't know, just... There's something about Fear Itself that feels like it's the perfect Marvel comic for right now. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh, totally. Um, probably it's, up into including the fact that it's still selling more than Flashpoint, apparently. So, you know. Oh, and, uh, again, I'm not sure that's true on a sell-through level. I think order level, sure. I don't think it's happening on a sell-through level. Hmm, interesting. I, I uh, think we'll that's a good point. We'll see what happens with the final issues. Uh, but yeah, I, I I don't know. But the whole thing is just ah, uh, it, it's it's not even an interesting failure. Mm-hmm. It's a dull failure. It's it is it's pretty dull. It's pretty dull. I mean, yeah, it's interesting in a cut it apart and see why it doesn't work kind of way. But I mean, this is the thing that's interesting. Maybe I'm just sort of I'm having one of those moments of like. Maybe if I was twelve or fourteen and reading this, I would just be like, "Oh my god, this ass. is happening!" <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But I kind of, I, I don't know. I'm not even sure that I would necessarily even buy it at that level. Because I mean, there's so much in this book that is, it's just, it's there's like you flip through this and. And there really is those scenes where as much as I just love the counterpose of the serpent on one page talking and you see his forces rallying and the opposite side being Odin talking and really the panels don't make much sense as to what's going on there is how it hooks up to what he's saying. But the illustrations are so lovely. But there's – to me, there's never any sense that things are actually – that there's actually anything happening. Like, 
just the fact that you've got that one, you know, you've got these little tiny panels that show people rampaging. Um, I still feel like none of it's happening. I feel like there's no, it's all super weightless. Well, what, what's really interesting is the first issue made a point, too much of a point, I think, of saying this is what's happening to the regular people of the Marvel Universe. Right. And then they went. That hasn't been even vaguely followed up. Everything since the first issue has been, here are the superheroes fighting. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah, then yeah. that really hurts the series. Uh-huh. Because none of it has any weight because none of it seems important because the superheroes are always fighting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The idea that this is doing something to the world mm-hmm. is, is, is missing from this comic entirely. This issue when you, it goes, Thor goes back to Oklahoma and they're like, fuck you, disappear. Right. Again, it's completely meaningless because we've seen that a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've not seen anyone actually be scared. Right. We've not seen, like, we see people rioting, but right. we don't find out why they're rioting. They're rioting. And you're like, oh, I guess they're rioting because they're afraid. Uh, yeah. But you don't, I, they you don't were rioting that. in the first pages of issue one. You know what I mean? Like, they, the, like in the first, the first scene of issue one is a riot that's happening in New York for no goddamn reason that ties into nothing. You know? That means... Nothing at any level to the rest of the story. I really honestly thought reading that first issue that Fraction was at least going to take, because he's got the, you know, the dude and Broxton, like, tucking in his daughter and locking the doors or whatever. I was like, oh, okay, we're going to have his sequence play out as, like... Yeah, he's going to appear again, and he's going to be the everyman who's going to give the story some... Wait, Wait beyond yeah. superheroes. Yeah. yeah, you're going to see what's happening through his eyes, so you get a sense of how exactly shit is falling apart. You, you know what I think is going to happen? I think he's going to reappear, and reappear in the last issue, well, and he'll he'll be he'll be the guy from um, Greenland to Green Arrow. He'll be like, "My daughter died. You people don't care about us." See, this is where I thought you were going to say it's like the woman at the end of uh, Civil War. Civil War. That's where I thought you were going with it. Well, maybe it's essentially the same same thing, but it's essentially the same thing. It's the, you guys get so caught up in your power trips that you don't care about us. But I really hope Fraction doesn't do that because all he's going to do if he does that is demonstrate that he's doing what his character is criticizing the characters for doing. Right. Because the comic has gotten so caught up Mm -hmm. in colorful superheroes punching each other that, that it's, it's, completely forgotten any human dimension yeah 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 yeah. exactly but not not that the heroes and the people have the comic itself has well that's just it yeah, yeah. The, the, the heroes and people theoretically are still doing all that but no it's it's the comic isn't showing any of it right the comic is hoping that you are guessing at it I guess mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yet I still feel that fraction on some level is thinking I am making like I am I am doing that that is in there somewhere and it might be one of these comics where what he thinks he's writing and what he's writing are so entirely miles apart and he doesn't recognize it because he knows what's in his head and we don't yeah this is what's known as the problem of the first draft you know I mean that's that's the problem it's one thing if you think if any writer wants to believe that they are so on top of what they're telling and how you're perceiving it, that they can like play effortlessly with those things. But the fact of the matter is that's, that's usually the sort of thing that 
you know, you either have to be working a long, long time to develop those kinds of chops, you know, and until then, you got to be able to be able to draft your stuff and rework it on the fly. And also, frankly, have some feedback where someone's saying, like, this isn't working. You know, like well, I just really just, like the failure you, of editorial here. You saying that just remind me. Look at the credits page. Ooh. I okay. Uh, hold on. There's there's five credited creators and there are six credited er- editorial staff. Re- oh yeah, 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 yeah. There are more people <laughs> in editorial and corporate credited in this comic Actually, than there are people who created the comic. Who's Alan Fine? He is the president, I believe, of Marvel. So is he like the Disney dude or something? Uh, no, he was there before Disney, but he's, really? he's like he's like a corporate dude, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. I didn't pay attention to any – I'm used to not paying look, attention to there, there are There are five creators. Yeah. And, and there, there are six, six yeah. people credited after that, which I think is hilariously telling for Marvel these days. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Um, two other things I thought were weird about this comic. Thing number one, I didn't realize that the thing's worthy name is basically angrier. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 Which yeah. Which is hilarious. Isn't that great? Hey, he's angrier. Also, if you look at the, the uh, last page where he's, like, leaping at Thor, I also didn't realize that he's covered in Starros from the DC Universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought there were only two of them. But, yeah, I knew there were, like, the little slug guys on his shoulder. I didn't realize there was an additional one. Yeah, uh, you know, as long as as long as long we're quibbling about things, doesn't it seem to me, to you, like... The worthy should be called the mighty, and the mighty should be called the worthy. Yeah, because there's nothing worthy about the worthy. Yeah, exactly. But and here's the, here's the thing: mm-hmm. if you had that, then you couldn't have your spinoff be called Mighty Avengers. No, sure, exactly. The worthy Avengers is not going to like sell Bupkis. You know? Although, if you had a comic called The Worthy, I think that's a better name than Mighty Avengers, personally. But there you go. <laughs> um, the other thing I want to point out is: did you see the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Colin Smith post about? Oh, it's uh, no. in gender. No, no, no. Oh, God, it's, it's amazing. He's basically like, hey, look at Fear Itself. Notice how only one female character talks in the entire book. Oh, sorry, two female characters talk in the entire book. One is Marie Hill, who gets one line of dialogue right. telling the men what to look at, and the other is Black Widow, who's crying over the death of her boyfriend. Oof. And he's like, notice how only one non-white character gets to speak in the entire book, and he gets one line of dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So that was... That was in my brain when I read this, because I read the post before I read the comic. Mm. And so that's in my brain, and I'm like, yeah, that's true. And then I get to the double-page spread in the middle of the comic about Marvel Architects, and it's got a photograph of the architects. Yes. Which is Brubaker, Aaron, Bendis, Hickman, Fraction. Yeah. Is there not something... I mean, I am I am a white guy right, in my mid-30s. Mm-hmm. But I looked at that group and I was like, wow, that's a group of white men in their mid-30s. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Do you know what I mean? I, except I, for the dudes that are in their early 40s. But yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? I looked at it and I was like, no wonder all these comics are so similar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they're being creatively led by the same guy. Yeah, yeah. You know what's interesting is I, I kind of feel like I mean, Marvel has kind of become the come the DC of like the mid '60s in a way to me, where it just there there just is this 
like homogenous group think in a way that you almost get the sense they're not even aware of. You know? Oh, I don't think they're aware of it at all. Every single time you hear an interview with them, they're always like, we're always pushing each other. We're, we, we always think of amazing things. I went to a, a summit the other day and someone said, what if Spider-Man died? And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, no one's ever thought of that. And you're like, you think, everyone's thought of that. Every, every I, single I, person. I, I can't believe you've never, I can't believe that is an original idea. Too. But you hear it all the time. They're like, the ultimate universe, that's where ideas happen. Right. And it's like, no. Universes where you have an X-Men book, a fucking Avengers book, and a fucking Spider-Man book. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, that's not where ideas happen. But you, they believe it. They genuinely think. I have done this story called The Death of Spider-Man. It's groundbreaking. They genuinely believe that it's groundbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, Marvel has believed it's on hype for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there, there has it just becomes more and more just folding it in itself and believing itself, and it's the point where even the new quote unquote creators there. I mean, Jason Aaron and Jonathan Hickman are are not like long standing creators. They are new voices theoretically. Yeah, but the works they're producing for Marvel is so in the style. It's so interchangeable with a Bendis comic. Mm-hmm. It's so interchangeable with a Fraction comic. Mm-hmm. It's so interchangeable with a Brubaker comic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was reading a review today about Captain America issue one, the new one. Yes. And it was like, it's someone is going after Captain America's friends and it ties in with an adventure from the 40s. Uh. And I was like, wow, that could be any Brubaker Captain America comic. Right. <laughs> Any Brubaker Captain America comic. <laughs> I, the idea that like he's got this relaunch, and he's like, I'm going to tie in, I'm going to make this brand new and exciting to people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. And it does. It, sure, it's going to be entertaining because Brubaker writes good comics. Mm-hmm. But everything, it's all just become the same thing. The fact that Kieran Gillen can take over from Matt Fraction and X Men can take over from Ed Brubaker, and you don't really notice a change. Yeah. Is not a good thing. Yeah. And I think they think it's a great thing. I think they do. I think they do. And it's 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 a little it's a little troubling. I mean it's you know uh, troubling might be a, a the right word if they were in control of our you know nuclear stockpile but you know uh, so it's overstating it. But yeah, it's 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 a little bit of a drag that it's kind of that the that the I don't know you know the product is right is when it's not homogenous it seems to be striving for homogeneity. Uh, did you see that amazing quote that Abe pulled out from Brubaker on his Twitter and put in the middle of our uh, the symposium on fear itself and flat? Oh God, I I probably didn't. I can't remember it. What is it? It was the Brubaker. Brubaker actually says on his Twitter feed. Hollywood always looks for a fall guy when any movie doesn't do well enough, but their story by committee system is what's wrong. And it's like... <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, really, just wow. Yeah. It, but that's that's the other thing. Uh, Tom Prevor said the same thing, essentially, mm-hmm. the other day in an interview with CBR. He was like, oh, God, I'm going to have to try and find the quote now. He's, he essentially said that Marvel does not do story by committee. 
Which is like, huh? Like, so you do it like, like instead of a committee, it's like a creative retreat. Like, do you not see the difference in the, like, does he not think that he's saying exactly that? Like, I just, that's, isn't that mind blowing? Like, what does he think? Because there's not literally a committee? (laughs) It it was, it was about the um, death of Spider-Man. It's essentially saying this wasn't editorially mandated. Because right. Bendis is writing it, and Bendis wouldn't write anything that was editorially mandated. Even even though he says at the same time that like Bendis didn't come up with the idea, and Bendis had ideas for the next two years of Lots of Spider-Man that he had to throw out because they decided they decided to do that idea. Wow. Um, let's see. Everybody takes a blow to the gut at some point where a story they thought was going left suddenly is going right because somebody had a better take on it. But those turns don't happen against the will of the creators involved. If Brian was absolutely dead set on not killing Ultimate Spider-Man, it wouldn't have happened or he wouldn't have written it. <laughs> if we were convinced that Ultimate Spider-Man must die and he didn't want to do it, it would have been Jeff Loeb or Jonathan Eggman or Nick Spencer. <laughs> Brian wrote it. We should tell you that he got on board with the idea. He came to embrace it. The first one The first one that came up, I'm sure it said a spill a chill down his spine, but it's a story. He's a storyteller sitting there thinking about it, tossing ideas around and seeing if it works. And he found a way it worked for him. This is the fascinating part. That's why our creative environment is better than anyone else's in the business at this point. They fans that poo-poo is without really understanding how this all goes down. They think that either every creator just does what they want or that everything is mandated from above and that everything is decided by a star chamber of five guys in a secret location. Maybe that's how other people do it. But not the Marvel architects. Not the Marvel not architects. Not the five well, guys that we're presenting guys. in the middle yeah. of our magazine that we and say also, are doing everything. And, and not <laughs> that's not the way they do it, even though he says... yes. If, decided that we were doing this and he didn't want to do it someone else would write the comic. I know like Jesus Christ Tom Brevoort think about what's coming out of your fucking mouth like oh no believe me if Brian Bendis didn't want to do this he didn't have to we could have gotten someone else to do it and take the paycheck and do the story and take but the that, character that he created and so kill them off but, but we don't do editorially mandated just no. because we would have if we decided it was a better idea replace him on the book doesn't mean that we editorially mandate or that there's a chamber of people making decisions no no it's really <laughs> weird it's it's i'm not sure if like tom brevoort's like definition of free will it, like has come straight from like a fourth world comic it's like what are you talking it's not like the anti-life equation we didn't say something and he did it we actually said something he thought about it and then chose to do it in order to keep his job and get money and shepherd his character that he helped co-create but really come on think about it's, this people I mean, it's it's stunning the lack of self-knowledge there uh, i mean cause it's gone beyond the joke it, i i just i just i feel sorry for who uh, is is that is that is that from one of his like talk to it's, the hats yeah that's from one of his talk to the jesus hats. christ like i you know i don't i don't know kyle i assume it was kyle with kyle yeah 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 it, who's a really sweet smart guy i don't know how he can like have those conversations and not be like what yeah, totally just huh does that mean uh, that makes no sense that makes no sense what you're saying makes no sense 
compared even compared to itself. Much. Well, he's probably he's probably thinking that and thinking I can't say this because well, of say, course he's, not. He's going to get pissed off, and then he's never going not going to do it, and then yeah. he'll kill Dirk Holm. Yeah, exactly. And then six months down the line, Tom Brevoort's going to be like, everyone says that Marvel can you know controls their press. We don't control our press. You know, we talk to who we want to talk to, and if they exactly, want to print what we say, and if, if they want to report what we say, then that's their prerogative. Exactly. <laughs> and if they want to spin it to enforce their own messages, we'll just go find someone else. But you know, as long as Kyle, you know, wants to, you know, he made the choice to have this interview with me and get paid for doing this and continue to have a job in a country with ten percent unemployment. You know, good fucking lord! I mean, wow. it's just, but there really is a sense of they have no idea what they're actually doing. I mean, they know what they're doing insofar as like they they go day to day, but they have no idea what they're doing insofar as they're not actually aware of what they, it is they're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't think they're running things by committee. Yeah. They, I genuinely think they they do not believe that. Right. I think that they think that they're being creator-led because their committee includes creators. I think that's the distinction they somehow make in their head. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's Absolutely. just, it's it's insane. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's fact that they have two pages given over to, you know, a complete blowjob interview with uh, Matt Fraction. Mm-hmm. Going, Matt, you're so pretty and beautiful. And all the books you write are, are spectacular. How is it being so awesome? Yeah, but they're like you know that's that's perfectly fine because we're giving the people the hard facts they want to know. <laughs> the architect's interview makes Marvel Age from the eighties look like a hard hitting fucking newspaper. <laughs> yeah, I I have to say like did I even make it to the end of this thing? I think that I like had to quit reading like it it, it, it was. Uh, Spence's face to pay off was to... It's, his, it's his the only two-page ad. Uncle Fester smile this video. Oh, I know. That is the worst smile. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that is, like, his his <laughs> pose and his smile on that. But did you hear um, the word balloon interview he did about that? No, no. He did, no. Well, he did go on his fear about that, obviously, but he did a word balloon. Someone calls him a hand, and he's basically like, I didn't think they were taking a fucking photograph. I have no idea why they chose that photograph. I was just sticking around. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, well, because he's making his Martha Stewart face, you know, because it, <laughs> it kind of breaks things up a little bit. I don't know. I, it's you, know just, what I, you know what I kind of love about those photographs, though? So you've got Ben just, just putting on a face. Yeah. And I quite believe that he did not think that they were going to use that photograph. Absolutely. You've got Brubaker putting on a face, and I think Brubaker's face is hilarious. Brubaker's is awesome. Brubaker's got, makes me laugh Jason so Aaron hard. looking like he's having fun. Yeah. John Stigman looking embarrassed, and then you come back, Braxton, just looking. Blue steel. You're going to say blue steel, aren't you? No, no, no. But he looks, he looks a pissed off and trying not to show it. Mm -hmm. But he also looks weirdly emotionless, as in he cannot have an emotion. Not he's not displaying one at that moment. Right. Do you ever think there's something like weirdly thousand yard starish about that? Oh, photograph. there's something totally thousand yard starish. The whole like when we were talking about the the you know my like his like oh yeah the the Kanye West breakdown. I I'm looking at that face still has me thinking that something like that is going oh, on. Did you read uh, the Casanova preview that went up in comics lines? No. 
So as we have discussed in the past, Fraction's very, very, very definite that Casanova is his life. Casanova is essentially autobiography. Mm-hmm. Okay? So the Casanova preview is, I think it's maybe three pages, four pages, of Casanova killing guys and talking about how much he hates his job. <laughs> I'm, I'm not joking. <laughs> like, the best part is, I, I, A, believe that that is autobiography for Fraction. Mm-hmm. Not even vaguely joking. Mm-hmm. But secondly, also believe that he has no idea what he's saying to the audience. What do you mean by that? He has no he has no idea that what he's saying to the audience is I am deeply unhappy doing what I'm doing. I am conflicted doing about doing what I'm doing, but I'm doing what I think I need to do in order to be responsible. Um yeah, I th- well okay, here's my thing. I cuz I remember way back with the first volume of Casanova like I did did reviews for a Savage Critic. Um you know, just capsule stuff. But by the end of it, I really felt like it seemed to me because it, it was like the the back matter at the time was Fraction talking about like, yeah, this is about a guy who's learning to to how to you know what what it means to be part of a family. And I was like, actually, the first arc of Casanova is what it's like to be a freelancer. You know what I mean? Like the the first arc really struck me as being like, you know. Here's Casanova Quinn, and he has these things that he wants to do, but in order to do them, he's always being compromised in two or three different ways, you know? And he's serving multiple masters at the same time, many of whom have these, like, you know, weird political beefs with each other. It really was. It was kind of like, okay, this feels like what it's like to be a freelancer, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. that was, I thought that, and that seemed to me like, I kind of felt like, even though that he wasn't saying anything about it, it seemed, it really didn't seem accidental to me. So, like you said, the whole idea that he's saying, I hate my job, I'm like, yeah, I kind of, I kind of think that that's, that, that strikes me as, it's hard not to believe that he doesn't know that that's what he's putting out there. I do sometimes think that Fraction doesn't think that anyone's going to catch on about it. And, and, <laughs> It's, it's possible. Here is the, the opening narration, okay? Yeah. And just for the sake of my argument, when he talks about these people, mm-hmm. imagine him talking about the characters he's writing. Okay. It says, it's not fair, but it's true, so take that how you will. None of these people did anything to deserve having me inflicted on them. And yet here I am, inflicting. I hate my fucking job. <laughs> That's the op- that's the opening narration. Uh-huh. Hmm. Uh huh. You know, I if if I was more on the ball, I would like hop over to Comics Alliance and read the read the pages, and you and the listeners could actually hear my lips silently moving as I read them <laughs> out loud, like silent. Job. Okay. No, but okay. So he then gave an interview to Newsarama yesterday. Uh huh. Um, it's all autobiographical, he says. I'm not sure how to, um, without completely tearing the veil away, as it were, how to answer your questions honestly. All of Gula is who I was when I was writing Gula. All of the Luxuria was me then. And now Avarisha is, but you know, spies, sci-fi, boobs, underballs, etc. 
Right. I think maybe any writer worth his salt reflects their perspective at the moment they write. Otherwise, what are you saying? Why? I don't know. Maybe it's late. Maybe I'm not thinking it through clearly enough. Mm-hmm. It's This is honestly why I can't wait to read the new Casanova. Right. <laughs> because I think it's going to be a man who is deeply unhappy and will not outwardly admit that he's deeply unhappy asking for help. Right. Right. Which, in a completely um, voyeuristic sense, mm-hmm. I am fascinated by. Well, sure. I mean, in a way, that's the... I mean, this is the thing that I think is, is you know, the big unresolved issue with Fraction is he does have a sense of what art is supposed to be and what it's supposed to do and how it's supposed to reflect on the creator. I mean, you know, at least he's making the art that also interests him. The problem is he's doing that in Casanova. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know about the rest of this stuff, frankly. I mean, I think that there's, I think I, I, it's, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that's kind of interesting is, <laughs> you know, there's lots of artists whose work I respect that I realize I did not and would not like as a person if I knew them. And I just, mm-hmm. I sort of half suspect that that would be the case with Fraction. I don't know him from Adam. He is obviously smart as hell and, you know, sharp as attack when it comes in the interviews. Incredibly smart, incredibly super well read. But at the same time, there is, um, you know, there's there's the the side of his personality that that seems to come out in the stories, which, like you said, is that like somebody who can't admit that they're unhappy, crying out for help. But what, what I think is coming across more and more in interviews, or maybe this is just my cynicism and my reading into it, mm-hmm. is I think the interviews are coming across more and more disingenuous. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with an increasing... No, I think he feels uh, that that's not the place to share anymore. Like, even if it ever Yeah, but it, feel, it, feels like it's not, it feels like it's not the place for him to share anything. Right. Well, but is it? I mean... No, no, I mean anything. <laughs> So the point where he'll be talking about Fear Itself, which is work for hire, and it's a stupid book. Right. And I feel that even there, he will avoid or make fun of the questions Mm -hmm. or have a glib answer instead of saying something like, I thought it would be really cool to see Thor beat up the Hulk. Yeah. No, I kind of feel like that's the last thing that you'll ever hear him say. You know, like there was another point. Do you remember when he was asked at like a convention about the idea of like, is, you know, sort of like, is the thing going to be killing people? Like he's, did he kill all those people on Yancey Street? And Fraction was kind of like, no, 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 no. The thing's not a killer. He's not, he's not, that's not something, that's not a character. That's not the character I want to read about. And that's not the character that I want to write. And I'm like... And yet, you just had a character. You had him like you just turned him into a monster that destroyed the street. Yeah, exactly. Where you showed people around from every street corner, and now you're going to be like they magically okayed themselves. You know yeah, but, that, I mean? but like, that's but that's that's not uncommon. Do you remember a while uh, where Marvel was trying to say that the Hulk had never killed anyone because right. the Hulk's not killer, and it's like right at some point he has. Yeah. No, exactly. And I was aware that it sort of falls under the Hulk rules. But the Hulk is also a different 
character. You know what I mean? Like to well, me, no, it's I, kind of that the, thing. The things, like, the things transformation rings incredibly falsely to me. And actually, the mighty mm-hmm. reveal um, really speaks to a, a major missed opportunity for me because the things transformation works insofar as you say these mystical objects will change your personality. Right. I am even though I, I'm not enjoying fear itself, I am saddened that none of the mighty are is a villain. Mm-hmm. I am saddened that they have not gone for what to me is a very Marvel concept. Mm-hmm. That a villain can be nuanced enough to do good things sometimes and can seek redemption. Right. And in a time like this will say, fuck it, I'm going to be a good guy. Like the Tattooed Man in Final Crisis, which really made me, really felt like a Marvel story to me. Yeah. Um, and it's it's completely missing in Fear Itself. And it seems weird because in Fear Itself you have two good guys becoming bad guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel that there should be a balance. I feel that they're actually for a... Um, Almost an ideological standpoint. There needs to be a balance. I agree. Although, ha- have the mighty actually been revealed past? Oh, no, their... but you, you can you can tell. Well, sure, but you can look at that image unless they're like there's someone who has exactly the same silhouette as Iron Fist. Well, the only reason why I mention it is that didn't Secret Avengers have like one or two like red herring tr- teaser ads or no? Am I misremembering that? I think you might be misremembering. Okay, all right, then never mind. Because um, I'm like, oh, I, I, I would, I would love it if they're like, no, you know, one of the women that you think is Red She-Hulk is actually, a, you know, Titania who gives right. up one of the worthy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Awesome, yeah. but yeah, it's it's not going to happen, and it, it really does feel like there's so much about Fear itself that I feel it does not feel Marvel, which is really funny because I think they're trying to make it the most Marvel event. The thing is to try Yancey Street, it's Marvel. Right. But it doesn't feel like a Marvel story. The engine does not feel Marvel. Oh, it, it doesn't. Like it's, it's lacking the humanity right. that well, a Marvel story should have. Or, or even even the, the... This is something that I was thinking about with some of the other books that I had read that so hopefully you'll come around to it uh more directly later but yeah the whole like you know when fraction talks about the the, you know oh yeah there's that power cord feel of like you know there's iron man and thor and cap and bah and i'm like you know honestly outside of the like you get moments of that i think in marvel comics whenever you've got a full page splash page but marvel really was about the the uh, I don't know what what to say. That's that's that DC reaction. The whole idea of like turning Cap and uh, Thor and Iron Man into, into the Trinity. Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. the Trinity is a DC thing that yeah. you're supposed to think it's Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. Holy shit! Right. Exactly. Like it makes no sense in Marvel because the three of them were together in the Avengers for fucking years, right. and they're like, it's the Melter. <laughs> it's like they've devalued all of that, right? And yeah, it, it's it's there's just there's a soul missing in fear itself, yeah. Um, that I think makes it not feel Marvel in a way. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. Like I said, I I 
I agree, um, but, you know, I agree pretty much from the first page. Interestingly enough, though, uh, maybe we can move on and talk about Flashpoint number three and your reaction and my reaction. My reaction to Flashpoint three is uh, pretty much the same as Flashpoint one. This would have been a great five issue Flash story that isn't really an event. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um,. It's fine as long as I, I read the main series and forget about the spin-offs, if that makes sense. I, there are, uh, there's lots of it I kind of like. I think it's hilarious that Barry Allen goes out and gets struck by lightning again. You know, I think that's so, so funny. I wonder, it really, like, seeing that sequence, I was like, okay, are they, like, like, it really made me think that, that um, the, the beat like the beat that we got at the end of issue two was not supposed to happen that way or something. Cause remember how weirdly paced flashpoint number two is where that scene with Batman and Barry Allen goes on forever. I kinda... well, flashpoint is the most expositionary comic ever. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I, honestly, if they, if they weren't rebooting the DC universe in September, mm-hmm. I would hope that flashpoint would spin off into a comic called Batman and his expositionary friend to the one. <laughs> it'd be like someone's killed the Riddler and he'd be like Barry who do you think did it and Barry Allen would spend 20 issues just talking about some, how it reminds him of something and then in the last panel like run around to be like it's this guy actually you know what's great is Flashpoint for me I I felt like it 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 feels like a bunch of video game cutscenes you know like um those sequences where it's like you get to the next level and suddenly someone comes out and is like, nice going, soldier, but now we're going to face our gravest threat. And then there's like a reveal of like a full fortress with people pointing guns at you. And then you get that little spinning dial and it's like level loading, you know, like there were so many moments so, in this. So, for example, when the gr- when Grifter appears and he's like, exactly. the resistance. Yeah, I practically, da, 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 and it was like, level loading like tie in loading you know like it was I'm I'm really surprised at how unambitious Flashpoint 3 feels like after after Flashpoint 1 and Flashpoint 2 I was like oh okay this is all kind of like moving somewhere somewhere and this third issue I'm like out of five I'm like oh it's kind of like it sort of has what am I going to say? I mean, it's almost like the DC hero equivalent of an episode of Love Boat or something like that. Where it, it, it sort of ties in with, have you read the, the latest Green Lantern, the last part of War of the Green Lanterns? No. Like Flashpoint, uh, it's paced so weirdly mm-hmm. <laughs> that you kind of think that it's written in stops and starts between other things Jeff Jones has to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and because Flashpoint three is paced incredibly oddly, mm-hmm. much more oddly than Flashpoint two was, I think. Right, I, I, and it's really jumpy and ends at the wrong point. Well, this... Because I don't believe for a second that Superman isn't going to fly back down in the beginning of Flashpoint four, mm-hmm. so energized by the sun, right, and do something. I, I, I just don't. As soon as he flew off, mm-hmm. I was like, so he's coming back to when he'll be energized and he'll look like Superman again, right. 
Right. Yeah. And it feels something. like it feels like such false jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Well, but I sort of feel like that's the. I mean, it. Honestly, that was my the, my my p- moment of flashpoint. You know, reading this where Barry Allen goes back out and gets dragged out to the electric chair again. I had this moment of. Did Jeff Johns was this the way Flashpoint Two was supposed to end, and he decided to like pad things out to throw off his pacing or something? Like, like the editors looked at it and went, "You know, your beats are a little too familiar. We knew that this was going to come here and this was going to come here." Wait, I, so how, how do you think the second issue should have ended? I well, I don't want to say should have or, or, or yeah, might have. Right. What would have happened would have been you would Flashpoint two that sequence between Barry Allen expositioning Batman would have gone on much shorter. He would have been put in the electric chair um, and fried, but it would have looked like he was burning up. I guess I suppose, but you would have had that similar explosion, and so that whole basically it would have ended with him rescuing batman and saying told you you know that that felt like that is supposed oh let's see the end how, how i thought it might have ended mm-hmm. after reading three was it would have ended with him inside saying that he had to do it again mm. interesting yeah i could see that that could be something too but yeah no i just kind of have a sneaking suspicion or even with his like by the time he like throws on he like they've got the oh i make my suit out of chemicals kind of thing like i was like huh you know because it just it feels like the big beat and like you said by the the whole like break out superman and have him fly off and i mean just the idea that you've got dudes with guns pointed against cyborg flash and batman that means that means nothing. That means yeah, nothing really, in the really. DC universe. Like exactly at any point, the Flash could take all the guns off. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I was yeah. like, that's really supposed to be like that's not a cl- that's not a cliffhanger. That that works as a page ender, maybe you know. But that's not that's not where you end an issue on. So I kind of feel but like I, he I push think things be- out. I think between this and uh, the Green Lantern issue, um, oh, I see. He's. I don't know if he's struggling with the, the shorter page count, mm-hmm. but the Green Lantern issue is astonishingly choppy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, John's is, it's, I don't want to say it's weak because it hits all the points, but it hits right. all the points and it almost misses everything in between. Uh-huh. So you're kind of like, huh, what? You know, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, all of a sudden, Krona is fighting Ganthet. And then, I might, do you mind if I spoil this? Are you reading? Go ahead. Now? No, 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 no. Okay, maybe like two pages later, he's dead. What? Like, Krona is dead, killed by Hal Jordan. And in between there, Sinestro's become a Green Lantern again. In between a, a series of pages? Like, that happens in between a, uh, scenes? No, no, you see, you see the scene of him okay. coming back. But it's, it's literally like, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, done. Right, right. Um, and it's, it reads really 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 jumply and really like Jeff John sat down to write it and he was like oh fuck we're only doing 20 pages aren't we um okay <laughs> well you know honestly I think this is the thing that I think I, I've mentioned before John's used to work so far ahead of schedule that I think he he had a chance he always had enough time to plan out his story beats and make them work but um 
And when he doesn't get that, you get sequences where you can tell where things are supposed to be or how they're supposed to hit, but they don't, you know? And in a, in a weird, just a little bit off kind of way. It reminds me of something I was reading on the internet where, and this, this won't mean much to you, but it, it might to the listeners, where somebody was talking about um, brewing beer, was getting advice from somebody, uh, a supply sales person, and also beer crafter. And they were saying like, oh, yeah, like they wanted to make a, a lager or something. He's like, those are pretty easy. He's like, it's when you're trying to make the pale beers like a, like a Budweiser or something like that. That takes a lot of work. And, and the person who we have saying this to, who like most beer drinkers was like, Bud, Budweiser takes a lot of effort. Like it's, you know, it's considered to be a cheap, crappy, pale, watery beer. But, but the fact is it's super hard to make it right, apparently. And sometimes I feel that way with, uh, you know, good old uh, Jeff Johns, you know, is like you can you can sort of like think his stuff is hackneyed and cliched as hell. But what's fascinating is it if he's just a little bit off, you really it really feels weird and awkward and choppy. You know what I mean? Uh, I was making a similar argument yesterday on the Internet um, about sci-fi's programming. Uh huh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that it's it's a real skill to make good, good lightweight TV. Yes, good, good, saying, yeah. good popcorn entertainment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's really, really hard, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and lots of people can make it badly. Mm-hmm. Lots of people can make it okay. Lots of people can make it dull. To make it enjoyable mm-hmm. is really fucking hard, and very few people can do it. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's almost like the result is so bland that you don't ever notice that right or you don't really give it any credit because it goes down so easy you just sort of assume that it was like cooked up like a trifle you know as as just dashed off but it's just the opposite you know no, exactly you really have to work to get it done and that's why because I, I lord knows i like some weird television mm-hmm. um but that's why i like things like where his 13 and leverage and everything so much mm-hmm. because it's really hard to do and i i I watch it and I enjoy it, and I don't want to say I forget about it immediately afterwards, but I kind of forget about it immediately afterwards. Sure. But I am conscious throughout the whole thing of how much work went into making it forgettable, for one of a better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That I can enjoy it completely when I'm watching it, but it is not going to stick in my head afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I think in a weird way, Doctor Who is the same thing. It's like just that some, for some reason, Doctor Who has amassed such a following. That people are like, well, it's really important. And it's like, it's no more important than a good issue of Green Lantern or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's no more thought out. It's no more worked on or deep. And all of these things take an incredible amount of effort to do well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Who knows? But anyway, that, that's why, ladies and gentlemen, um, fear itself for shit and flash... <laughs> It's just disappointing. Exactly. Exactly. But, but that's the weird thing. Like, I, mm-hmm. it's a weird thing that neither of them are, quote unquote, good. Right. That's not true. I might argue that Flashpoint has moments of good. Oh, I but think. Ni- so. No, okay. Neither of them are great. Put it that way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, uh, actually, that is the thing. Uh, to to interrupt you, one of the things that surprised me about this issue of Flashpoint was I was like. Wow, in a way, this is so much less ambitious than what I thought it was going to be. Like, 
and, and I don't think that that's actually – I was a little disappointed, but I'm also like, well, right. That's why it's probably going to be able to come closer to hitting its target. And also that, that's why it's going to be able to finish in five issues. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, it's, but the thing is like it's good. It's okay. It's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, the fear itself is so not. Right. Yeah, and I, no, I, I almost feel that it's I almost feel like that's reversed. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I feel that Fear itself had so much more potential on every level than Flashpoint did. Oh yeah, no, well that's it. I and actually has squandered right. it mm-hmm. so much more. Yeah, I think so too. Again, because I well, this is the thing. I think that Jeff Johns had set his bar lower and had more craft available to him to make sure that he hit it. Fractions got this like huge, ambitious bar set, and it's just a mess. I mean, it's like the. <laughs> it's, I, I just feel, I feel like it's like watching a bowl of pasta thrown at a wall, except it doesn't even get far enough to hit the wall. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just shit flying everywhere, and kind of embarrassingly so. But like looking at both of them, I was just like, wow. <laughs> Like, I, this was really the one where I was like, mm, man, neither of these guys are going to be doing Watchmen anytime soon. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this is just not... Like, seriously, like, neither of these things really have the... Like, like Johns' thing really does not... It, it doesn't have the ambition for it. It really does have the ambition to be to be doing the Age of Apocalypse stuff from the 90s. Really, no more than that, you know? And it's... I'm, I was... I was I was kind of surprised by that realization because even though everyone, I, I would be more sure. surprised mm-hmm. if we didn't know the reboot was happening. Yeah, maybe. Does that, does that make sense? I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. Especially, I, so. I, I basically as soon as that was announced, right? I suddenly started reading flashpoints as what Jeff Johns writes when he's not distracted, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or when he is distracted, I should say. Right. Um, <laughs> well, when he's not distracted, wow, poor Jeff. Um, no, but it's one of those things, like, Blackest Night was a much stronger event comic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in almost every single way. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It kind of feels like he's sleepwalking a bit through this one. Yeah, or like you said, distracted. I feel like he's super, super distracted in Flashpoint. Um, and so, consequently, he's kind of... Well, and I think there's also this thing of... I, I This is the issue. Like, issue three of this really made me think... Because way back when, when he was talking about Flashpoint, um, I was like, oh, this is this big event that he's got up his sleeve. And then when it was tied to the reboot, I was like, oh, holy crap, this is a huge event that he had up his sleeve. And then this third issue is like, oh, no, it was just going to be... Or not. Yeah, this this was going to be his big Flash blockbuster um, and then that was going to like knock everybody on their butt, but it was not going to be the reboot of a universe, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know. But the whole thing is like, even as a flash bonanza, it's not really a great flash story. No, no. And I don't know if that's, again, if it's because there's the, so much of it is that world of flashpoint, like oh, jumping off point here, jumping off point here, jumping off point there, jumping. Off I, point I, there. no, I. You know what I think it is? I don't think Jeff Jones can write Barry Allen. 
I know I'm serious. I think after the twelve issue series, right, and after Flashpoint, yeah, I don't think he's gotten into Barry Allen the way that he's he has to Hal Jordan. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think he can successfully write Barry Allen. Interesting. And not for once of trying, he's trying his hardest. Oh, he's trying pretty hard. He's trying pretty hard. I mean, I think Flashpoint would be a really hard way to prove that. I mean, maybe he'll. We'll see. We'll see. I, I would hope that in a way the fifth issue, uh, it'll be, well, I don't know. Who knows how this fucking thing will come together. But yeah, no, I agree. I do think that I've definitely, you and other people on that have said that he's just got no facility for, for Barry. And I I think that's right. I, it's hard for me to tell because, frankly, I don't have any facility for Barry Allen. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I didn't want this guy to come back. Who wanted this guy to come back? You know, like, Dan, Dan DiDio wanted this guy to come back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even Grant Morrison, who like, you know, was a huge fan of the original Flash, like, like, um, you know, in Final Crisis, Barry Allen is as much a, a sort of herald or harbinger or Deus Ex Machina as anything. You know, he's not really, he's not really him in any sort of meaningful. No, he, he's 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 not a character. He he comes back. And basically says, I am here to make everything okay. I'm going to disappear while Darkseid takes over. And then, <laughs> then, then I'll come back when I need to save the day. Right, right. Yeah, mm, gosh. And here we are talking about the, the better plotting. Woo-hoo.